This is John MacArthur, and I'm thrilled to announce The Essential Church Movie. This feature-length film by Grace Community Church explores the battle between the church and the government throughout history. It is an unforgettable, dramatic reminder of the church's responsibility to stand courageously and faithfully for Christ against all enemies. Go to EssentialChurchMovie.com. That's EssentialChurchMovie.com. Hi, friends. Are you guys planning on going to the G3 conference coming up on September 21st until the 23rd? Well, you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code G3OPEL. G3OPEL. You can register now by going on the link here in the description. I can't wait to see you guys there. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlene Spuckaloo. Welcome back, everyone, to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for listening or watching to our podcast. It is always a joy to be here with you guys. And friends, we will love to stay in touch with you guys. And the way that we can do that is by following us on social media. Make sure to check the links on the description. And also, if you want to find out how you can be supported in this podcast, again, you can check the links here on the description. And on the note, as we do on every episode, we have two guests today. So today we have Jessica and Alex Youngstrom, right? right. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. And I and I kind of paused there because I, I, we were just like talking about this. Like, okay, so how do I pronounce your last yes, name? Yeah. And I get that a lot. Like, Ar- like you were asking me, how do you pronounce your last? I mean, your name. Yeah. So Arlenis. And now I get my name and my last name because after i got married with richard so but it's so great to have you guys thank you for joining me thank you yeah i'm very excited to get to know you guys better so actually let me uh say this that when we when i recorded with mark zagovich that was last year i think uh during shepherds right before shepherds conference that Mm -hmm. uh he came and then we recorded his episode and then he told me Arlie, you know who you should invite on your podcast? The Youngstrom. But you guys were living in Israel at that yeah, time. Right. So a lot of crazy things were happening there while yes. you guys were there. So yeah. I hope to get to hear a little bit about that. Why you guys were living in, uh, in Israel Happy and all to. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with Jessica. So normally I just like to have uh, my guests to share about the background. So go mm-hmm. as far back as you can remember, <laughs> and just uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your family, where you're raised in a believing home, and you can take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was raised in a believing home. Uh, my parents are actually from Ukraine. My dad was born in Russia, but moved to Ukraine at a young age with his entire family. And my mom was born in Ukraine, lived there her whole life. Um, and they actually immigrated to the U.S. Um, 1991, right after uh-huh. the Soviet Union fell. So they came here looking for obviously new opportunities, um, for job support, um, and actually they also moved here um, for medical, better medical treatment for their oldest son. Uh-huh. He was born with like a rare blood disease um, and the health system in Ukraine was not the best at the time mm-hmm. and they couldn't figure out a cure so they thought coming to America they would find a cure. Um, So they came here in 91. I think that actually the first state, I always forget, was Missouri that they 
landed in? I think they said Missouri. Missouri, yeah. So they actually came on July 4th, and they didn't know it was wow. Independence Day, so they came on July 4th, and Missouri um, was just a very different town from what they expected, and um, not super safe from like what they felt. And then they remember, like as it was getting dark, the fireworks are going to start, right? And they didn't know, so they actually thought a war broke out. Oh, <laughs> the fireworks started. So they're like, "What is this?" And then they eventually looked out the window and yeah, okay, yeah. It's fireworks. So, but that was yeah. their first experience. I think they were there two weeks, and they're like, "We can't do it anymore." Mm -hmm. So then they uh, moved to California. They mm -hmm. had connections here through actually the Jagiewicz family. So they were like, all right, let's move here. Um, we know at least a couple Russians. Um, and then they started going to a church in Montebello that was actually half English, half Russian or Slavic at mm. the time. Um, and so like half the service was in English, half was in Russian when I was growing up, like very young. Mm. Um, and then eventually the Slavic community took over. And I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if like the English started to leave or they started to like pass away and die out. Okay. But um, everything was just in Russian, like, as I was growing up. So we were there for about, I don't know, throughout my, up until high school. Like, yeah, we were there up until high school. And as they were trying to settle in, um, my parents were taking my oldest brother to the hospital to find treatment. Um, he was only three at the time. Um, but sadly, when they were going through different avenues and trying to figure out what worked best, the doctor said it was already too late. Um, so he ended up passing away. Um, so that was a really tough beginning for my parents. Um, so, and I think at the time she was already pregnant with my oldest brother, who's still alive. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. Um, so she was pregnant with him, I think, four or five months at the time. And then I was born three years after that. And then I have a younger sister who was born three years after me. So it's the three, three of us um, there. So we moved to Chino Hills, okay. like just a suburb outside of L.A. Mm -hmm. And we were living there for most of my childhood and then just driving into like Montebello for church, Bible study. Um, and because our church was a Slavic church, it was heavily connected mm. to all the other Slavic churches in California. Okay. So like we had a kids camp that we would go to every summer. Um, and at that camp, we would have churches from San Diego, from Fresno, some from Sacramento. So it would wow. be like all these kids. I think the biggest was about like 300 kids. Wow. Um, so at that church camp. So that was really something that I would look forward to. And growing up, my family was very heavily involved in um, serving at the church. So my dad was the choir director. Um, my mom did a lot of th things with children. Um, we would always be going to Bible studies. She would be doing a lot of stuff for holidays. So we'd always be at church. Okay. That was just our life and how we grew up. And my mom just has a very serving heart. And she just had so much energy to do so much things. Not only like put us through singing and piano lessons, but to do a lot of stuff for the church okay. and her fellow brothers and sisters. So one uh, summer at children's camp, Joe Shikevich actually came and preached. I think oh. he was in seminary during the time. Okay. And I just remember even as, I think I was in seventh grade, and I remember that even as a young kid, I saw the stark, the stark contrast of him preaching versus like our Slavic preachers. It's just a very different, not just style, but his was like, you can just tell that it was directly from scripture, um, very theologically sound. He made points to the Bible that I just never heard. Like, mm -hmm. I remember the sermon he was preaching. It was on Moses and the serpent that was raised up. 
to uh, symbolize Christ dying for our sins, and the Israelites had to, hopefully I'm referring Look to this. Look up there. Yeah. Um, so I remember it was about that, and I just remember, like, I've never heard that in my life in mm -hmm. Sunday school, like, that, like, that, uh, what's it called, that symbolism of, um, yeah, the servant being Christ and dying for our sins, and I just remember him, I don't remember how many times he preached during the week, but I remember it was at least three or four times. And I remember every single time he preached, I was just so convicted. And I was like, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. Like, yeah. And I remember the last day, I think it was Friday, he preached. And I was like, I need to be saved. So like, I literally went out the, our hall and I repented. And I just remembered like, this weight coming off my shoulders. And I just felt so free and forgiven. Um, so that was the start to my um, salvation. How old yeah. are you at this point? I was in seventh grade, so 12, 13, maybe. Okay, wow. um, yeah, so I was very excited to, I don't know, just come home and just live a new life. Um, at the time, I was having, like, struggles in school, as no more, I mean, regular kids have, where mm -hmm. you just want to try to fit in. And it was hard as, even though it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was hard for me to fit in as, like, a Slavic person, um, at our school, there was a lot of little things that were, um, I don't know, just different because my mom did things very differently from the other, from my friend's moms. Um, like we weren't allowed to hang out really. Like mm -hmm. she really kept us heavily involved in the Russian church and wouldn't allow us to spend time with my American friends. Not that like they were bad friends, but she was very like, okay, you hang out with your Russian friends mostly and not with Americans. So mm -hmm. I just remember that being a little bit tough and I was really struggling to like find my place in school instead yeah. of my identity in Christ. So okay. um, that began to slowly change. But then in like a year or two, I just stopped and we were still at the Russian, our Slavic church. Um, I just remember that in like a year, I really kind of lost not rhythm, but I don't know how to say it. the fuel to like actually be in the word. I was reading in and out, but I didn't really feel like I was growing. Um, and looking back at it now, I really think it wasn't until we moved to Grace to where my faith and my growth just exponentially grew. Mm -hmm. And I really started to like understand how to read your Bible, how to be in the word, um, and how to study the word. It wasn't just, you know, reading Genesis to Revelation. So that really changed. I remember when I got older, I think I was already in ninth grade, I became like one of the sub leaders for that children's camp that I was going to as a young kid. We would do that children's camp, the children's camp, and then right after we went to Resolved. That was part of the Grace or Crossroads, um, okay. yeah, the Crossroads Conference. So we would go there, and I remember like, once again, being kind of like reawakened of like, wow, this is real preaching and this is where we need to be or where I want to be. So I remember like our parents were like at that time transitioning out of our Slavic church and trying mm -hmm. to find other churches. We visited some that didn't really fit or feel at home. And then the night, I think we went to Grace as a, for evening service. And I remember as soon as we entered and like we had the service, I just felt right at home because mm -hmm. Growing up in a Slavic church, they do things very differently than American churches. And I just always felt so awkward at the other American churches. <laughs> I don't know why. Not, not that they were bad churches. Just, yeah, it just felt at home when I went to Grace. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is where I need to be. So that was around 10th grade where I really started to grow um, 
like deeper hunger for the word, really started to care about my walk, um, started to care about like where do, where do I stand before the Lord? Why am I forgiven? It's not because of my works. It's not anything that I've done. Um, it's all because of his, you know, his yeah. grace. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there, it's just been really sweet to see how the Lord has worked through me and continues to work through me, especially in these last two years when we were in Israel. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But yeah. how will you describe your life before Christ and after Christ? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that was the thing that set me apart from my life before Christ was just my discontentment. Um, and I had a lot of anger issues, a lot of maybe almost like depression as a kid. I was very sad. And I think, like I mentioned before, I was trying to find contentment in the wrong places mm. and in places that wouldn't satisfy me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we still, as Christians, continue to grow in, contentment in um, specific terms. So after I got saved, I just felt that burden of like, I don't have to keep searching for happiness, for contentment, because I have it through the grace of Christ. So, yeah, amen. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I can think about. I was talking to someone about it, like about even about like me when I was a child. It's like I I would look through my photos, you know, like my dad was really good with like recording everything, taking photos and Mm -hmm. the albums. I, I mean, I could hardly count the ones that I was like smiling I was like was I always this angry kid that's 100% her there's no pictures of her smiling yeah it's just like right and it's like after Christ saves you it's like you have all the reasons to to it I mean I'm not saying that you don't have your 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 difficult challenging days that you're not always you know you're not going to always have a big smile on your face but Mm -hmm. um but we know where our hope and our identity is. And that identity has to be found only in Christ, not in right. anything that this world has to offer because that is just vanity, right? Like Ecclesiastes yeah, says. But yeah. All right. So I guess we're not going to get into how you guys met until we hear his sure. side of the story. Okay. And then we're going to get Excellent. to that yeah, also. The true side of the story. <laughs> the true side of the yeah. story. Let's see. This is where it always gets a little bit troubling for the couples. Yeah. Where, yeah. How do you mean? Yeah. But no, Alex, same thing. You know, just think back of your upbringing and as far back as you can think. And okay. Then, yeah. I can go back pretty far. Um, so I, I grew up in Northern California. I, um, I was born in a town called Vallejo. It's like the Northeast San Francisco Bay Area. It's not a very well-known city, um, but uh, that's where I grew up going to church as well, at Community Bible Church of Vallejo. Um, so my, my parents took me to that church. It's a very faithful church, and, I, and, I, and to this day, I love that church. Um, and so from a young age, I was growing up learning real, solid biblical doctrine, um, learning, yeah, learning the Bible, but uh, the problem is that I, I did not actually have a love for God. So I, um, you, you asked Jessica before, like, what was the big difference for her before and after? Mm-hmm. Um, for me before, for sure, I, I recognized that I was a hundred percent a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. So, um, my, my parents who I, I love dearly, um, were not believers going to this church, but, um, by God's grace through the friendships they had that they had made in high school or, or whatever else, um, they, became acquainted with Community Bible Church. And so I think it was actually through the, um, the church's youth ministry. So my, my mom grew up in the area, and so um, she had connections with people at the church. Okay. 
Um, and so they were going to the church at the time when I was a, when I was a young boy. And so I grew up there and uh, got a really good foundation. But, you know, there's a transition from going from, like, Sunday school um, into, like, more middle school ministries and high school ministries mm-hmm. where you, you stop getting told, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. You start getting asked, like, do you love Jesus? You know, as, as uh, yeah. you know, on, on a real personal level, do you, yeah. do you really have a relationship with Christ? Um, you know, as kids, they grow up and they start to really interact with these questions. They start to be aware of, of um, their soul state before the Lord. Yeah, I, I grew up just loving learning Bible things so that I could answer questions and look good. Um, and I'm still <laughs> loving learning Bible things, and, and uh, I hope that I'm not doing it just to look good. But um, I hope that you're a professor, it, a professor it, right? I, I, most time I'm wrong, so it's actually, it, if, if that's the case, I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. Um, we'll ask the students. Yeah, yeah. You can ask Professor Joe Shukavich yeah, if, I, if I was ever right in this class. <laughs> mostly no. So... Um, yeah, so so that that was my that was my heart, yeah. and so transitioning into the middle school ministry where there was there was a heavy emphasis on personal discipleship, and they would pair you up with um, one of the staff members to be discipled. Yeah, I was confronted with this constantly, and 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 the leadership was so so kind and patient with me. And looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, they knew they knew so easily. It was so obvious, probably, <laughs> that how vain I was and how obviously um, I was just there for my own glory. Everything was about yeah. me. Um, so before I forget, but are, yeah. are you the only child or? I'm sorry. I do have siblings and, okay, and so... they are important, even though I'm the oldest, the other kids <laughs> matter too. So, um, I, I, I have, uh, three younger siblings. Okay. Um, so you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. Yes. Most important. Just kidding. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it, it goes, it goes me, Madison, Andrew, and then Kennedy. So it goes boy, girl, boy, girl. Okay. Um, and I love my siblings to death. They're the best. Um, so we all grew up in this church. Okay. Yeah. In the church that you you went yes, with, your, yeah. And were they going with you too to this uh, events? To like, these ministries, these yeah. Ministries? Over time, they're um, like we're kind of spaced out, like two or three years apart oh, okay. as well. So okay. we were never in the same ministry okay. at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, okay. we went through the same sort of programs. That we we know the same pastors. Okay. Um, so then, what happened as you? As you said, yes. Some of those leaders, they yeah. were not fooled by you. Oh no, they, yeah, <laughs> so they, they, were far they, too they wise. noticed like yeah. what was happening. So, did anyone ever like confront you or they talk were, to you yeah, about? Yeah, they were, and I and I definitely had weak moments where I was like, you know, maybe I'm not saved, and I'm just parroting what I'm hearing other people say, and mm. I'm I, I'm good at pretending to mm. myself at least. Um, but I, I was just too stubborn, I think. And I think I was, I, at the end of the day, I think I was satisfied with like, you know, but I look okay on the outside. Um, mm. like I seem like a good kid and I've been told many times that I'm a good kid. So <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. I think mm-hmm. I, I constantly went back to what I did and, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm praying, I'm doing good things at church. I'm, I clean up after myself. You know, I, I, I for me, all the marks that I needed for, for what Christianity looks like to me, I was like, I'm good. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my, my basis, I think for mm-hmm. my spiritual state. Okay. Um, so by God's grace, they, they have a really great, um, youth ministry summer camp program. And so like, like many church kids, I was sent to a, a church summer camp and mm-hmm. I was bombarded with gospel every single day mm-hmm. without end. And um, I don't remember when during the week, but during my first summer camp and I was 12, so this was during middle school. I also heard a sermon on, on the Exodus, but uh, so, <laughs> um, which is be. important. Exodus is, is too important to, is. to miss. I love the Old Testament. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do too. I like the Old Testament. Um, 
So, so I, I honestly, I don't remember the sermon at all. I don't remember who was preaching. I, I don't remember anything about it. But that, that's important because um, I just remember during the sermon, I was completely zoned out. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I just started to realize to myself, and obviously the Holy Spirit was working on me and convicting me. I started to realize that I didn't care at all about what I was doing, what, what I was there for. I was sitting there and I was... The sermon, maybe it had a gospel presentation at the end, but I don't remember. I just remember that whatever it was, it wasn't a purely like talking about Jesus and how he died for our sins, but I was sitting there just thinking, I'm not listening to this because I don't care. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm constantly pretending like I care. I'm constantly pretending like this is all very important to me. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I don't. And, mm-hmm. and thankfully, I, I had learned enough and I'd been preached to enough to where I, I immediately recognized that that was a terrible place to be, that I was in, in mortal danger of my soul. Yeah. Um, and so as I'm sitting there, I'm still not listening, but, but the Holy Spirit is working on me and convicting me. And, I, and I'm going through all the things that I've memorized for mm-hmm. the sake of looking good to others. Um, and I, but I'm going through all the, all the things that I've, I've memorized. I'm going through all the doctrines that I've subscribed to. And, and, I, and I'm little by little going through and, and realizing like, I, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm not saved because I, I, I have... I don't have the Holy Spirit's love for his word. I don't have the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. love for the people around me. I'm just here because I love to find some little measure of self-righteous glory. And, and little by little, I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking, okay, so that means that I, I, I am separated from God, which means I am going to hell. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm apart from Christ. Um, and I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm probably th- rethinking these things in like better language than my 12-year-old self. But, <laughs> but you know, I, these are the doctrines that I'm grappling with. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. grappling with the fact that I'm, I'm in sin. And so I'm terrified. And um, I know that the only solution is to, to go to Christ and to repent of my sins, to repent of um, my soul state, and to seek his forgiveness, seek salvation in Christ. Yeah. And so I can't wait until the sermon's over. So I didn't hear anything. But I can't wait. And I immediately rush outside after the sermon's over into, into like a bathroom and just... Um, I think I, I literally got down on my knees because I thought that's what you have to do. And, and obviously you don't have to do that. But, but that's, that's, I was terrified. I thought, I, I, I just want to go to Christ. And um, that's, that's where I was saved. Um, and On your own? Yes. Yeah, on my like own. Like you're on your own there and it's no, nobody's talking to you? Or... No, 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 no. Yeah, just, um, just having learned and being yeah. preached at so many times already. Yeah. What's funny is I remember coming out actually and I, I guess I was probably in the bathroom for a long time. And uh, one of the older high school students was like, hey, are you, are you doing okay? Are you, are you feeling okay? And I told him, like, I think I just got saved. And, uh, and um, he, was, he was a very kind brother. I still know him. And, um, and he was talking me through things and he okay. was encouraging me and, and oh. telling other people and... Um, yeah, so I was, I was super excited. So, um, the problem with a Pharisee becoming a believer is that now he's not necessarily the nicest person. He's just (laughs) zealous and just wants everyone to be saved. Um, and so that's who I became is I was just like this super zealous evangelist, which is, which I, in some ways I wish I could go back to that and, and be that person again. On the other hand, I'm really thankful that I'm not as harsh as I was then. I just, um, you know, like, like a new Calvinist, I just wanted to beat everybody with the Bible and say, you need to believe like, like, don't you understand you need to believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I stayed in those ministries and I was able to grow a ton from, from the, from the terrible state I was, I was able to grow a ton underneath the, um, the pastoral leadership that I had there, underneath the disciplers that I had there. And this is all up north. 
This is all up north, yeah. Okay. Believe it or not, people can grow even outside of Grace Community Church. Yeah. I, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to grow up a Grace either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. That's just for the viewers out there. No, um, for the GCZ people. Yeah, it, tur- it turns out there are faithful pastors all over the world. Yeah, That's uh, true. The yeah. Lord can use whoever he pleases. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I've although, learned that. Although, to be fair, I think that uh, CBC, uh, Community Bible Church, uh, does have good connections with Grace Church. So even oh, okay. then, maybe, maybe Grace has its hands in, yeah. in yeah. In my, in my salvation. So tell me then, compare your life before Christ and after Christ, and just like give it, give us yeah. more into like that contrast. Of, yeah, yeah. So um, I would say that there's not a ton of maybe, like in my hindsight, maybe not a ton of external difference because I was always trying to be like a good kid. I was always like trying to be proper, upright, and uh, you know yeah. obedient. Um, so I, I would say it was it was all internal. All. For the most part, it was internal, right? Obviously, there are things as you grow up you need to you need to deal with. So it was just recognizing that that what church is for is is for service of Christ and being built up so that we can serve each other, so that we can serve Christ, so that we mm-hmm. can glorify Him. And yeah. it was it was recognizing that. And so it it was it was recognizing that, and then and then getting a lot of opportunities to serve and trying to learn how to be humble in in, in service because. Up until that point, service was about me, and mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to serve in a way that was actually service, not not not, about not just yeah, working for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, one of the things that it makes me think about is now in the world, people say I'm not, you know, I'm not bad. I, I I'm good. I'm a good person because they have like put their sin on a scale. Basically, it's like comparing their lives to other people's life who probably, let's say, criminals or who knows. And so it's like they're comparing, you know, like their sin to other people's sin. And so they feel like, no, but I'm, I'm a good person. So therefore, I'm going to go to heaven because I do good works and I'm doing good in the community or who knows. Yeah. But the Bible is very clear about that. The Bible says that there is no one good, not even one, right? And it's the Lord who has to choose you, call you, and he is the one. I mean, salvation belongs to the Lord. That's what scripture says, right? So he is the one who saves us, who gives us the faith even to believe. And it doesn't matter, you know, like how good of a person you try to be or how upright you are or whatever it is, you know, like that you try to do or to make yourself look really good in front of others. But the Lord knows us, our heart. And he knows what's in our hearts. So we can't fool the Lord. I mean, he already knows what we're going to say before we even say it. I mean, he knows everything. And so, yeah, so I, I you know, it, I, it just kind of made me think about because you were saying like how much of a Pharisee yeah. <laughs> you were, right? Well, it, it also, it, it, it makes me think of how, um, you know, I said before when, when I was struggling, when I was thinking maybe I'm not saved and I, and I wasn't, um, my foundation was, but I'm a good person, essentially, right? It, it was that. It was saying, like, no, but I, I do good things. I'm, I'm a good kid. I mean, um, it, it, it reminds me of a story of, that my mom told me where I was a little kid. She has a picture of me, actually, uh, <laughs> when um, I was in, like, Sunday school or something. And um, we're supposed to be praying. And I guess she went to take a picture of me. But in the prayer, I opened my eyes. And you can see me pointing at someone else. Because I, <laughs> I, I said to the kid, teacher? That person has his eyes open, <laughs> so I had my eyes open so that I could make sure other people didn't have their eyes open. You know, so that—that's the kind of person I was, right? I, I was very much basing everything on like I'm a good person, and mm. and I didn't see any fault in myself. Mm. Um, contra- contrasting with now, um, actually having faith in Christ, I don't when, when when I think to myself like, you know, let's say I find myself dozing off in another sermon. Let's just say, and I think to myself, am, am I a Christian? It's not based on 
you know, oh, well, I've done, I've done good things. It's, it's entirely based on, I have faith in Christ. I know what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. That's what it always goes back to. I, I think that, you know, bearing fruit, doing, doing things that the God want, wants us to, that does encourage us. That does help us uh, reaffirm that the, that the Lord is doing work in us, that he is using us. Mm -hmm. But that's not our basis for understanding if we're saved or not. It's, it's absolutely, do I have faith in Christ? Do, do I believe that what Christ has done is true and what he said mm -hmm. is true? And am I going to cling to that? Because at the end of, at the end of days, I'm not going to be able to tell the Father that I should be allowed into heaven because yeah. I've done good things. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to be allowed to be in, in God's presence because I'm in Christ, because mm -hmm. I have my faith in Christ and he has accepted me into, into him. Yeah. That, that's the only way. Yeah. I mean, even like think about this. I don't know. There are many stories in the Bible, but it makes me think of the story of the person who is like before the Lord, right? Like are trying to get into heaven. But yeah. um, basically this person is just completely rejected because yeah. he says, Lord, but didn't we prophesy? Didn't yeah. we? They're working miracles. Yeah. They're, and, and, yeah. And, and miracles. Yeah. And all that. Lord saying, I never knew you. Yeah. Exactly. And like, we don't want to hear those words. Like, Absolutely. I never knew you. I mean, that is completely rejection. You have no part with me. Yeah. So therefore, you're not allowed to come here just because of the list of works that you've done. But it's Christ. You have to bring Christ with you, right? That, that's, your, that's your seal there that you get to, um, to enter the presence Absolutely. of the Lord, right? But yeah, I think that is just wonderful, you know, like to see even those changes in our lives that the Lord in His kindness grow us through his you know part of our sanctification it doesn't mean that because we're christian we're perfect yeah we're still in this <laughs> simple flesh and yeah. you know we will continue to sin until the day that we go before the lord but our hope is that someday we won't have to deal with sin anymore <laughs> and i look forward to that day <laughs> for sure my goodness yeah, yeah. <laughs> so alex so then all of this is happening up north so at what point do you move down here to to enter the LA, promised land. To yeah. the promised land. Yeah. <laughs> the promised land at, at GCC. So, um, well, I was referring to a lake. No, no, sure. well, we that's how it. I feel. Okay, that's how I yes. feel. No, um, so, so I um, was very involved in the high school ministry at our church, and I, and I, um, and I, I really started to have the desire to teach. And um, the pastor there, they have, they have this, this nice day every year in the high school ministry where the senior students get to run the ministry for the night. And so, mm -hmm. um, that gives everybody a chance to, you know, develop their gifts, work on different ministries that they're interested in. Um, you know, obviously you can help out with ministries along the way, but, yeah. but what this means, um, is that let's say it's a bunch of students who are leading the music. It's, it's, um, so they're picking the songs that uh, obviously under the guidance of the pastor. Um, <laughs> um, but it also means that they, that they let a student, um, preach. And so um, I really wanted, I had a desire to teach. And so I, I asked for the opportunity and they, and they let me and the sermon was terrible. And um, I, I'm glad it probably wasn't recorded because I would just be super ashamed um, and still am. But um, there's no evidence that it ever happened. Okay. Uh, well, so, so who knows? <laughs> who knows, right? Yeah. If somebody decides. It might be out there and I, and I hope it's not. Uh, the, the, the point is that... Um, I, di I did have a desire. I just had no idea what, what I was doing and, mm. and not nearly enough understanding of scripture or, or, or how to put together a sermon. I saw the desire and, and my, my pastor was very, very, very gracious. And um, I, I'm eternally grateful for, for that graciousness. <laughs> so um, I wanted to go to the master's 
college at the time, um, mm-hmm. Masters University, because I wanted to study the Bible because I thought I want to be a pastor. I knew I wanted to teach the Bible. I didn't know what that really meant. I, I didn't know how to put together a sermon. And so, um, but I just thought I, if, I, if I can go anywhere um, to do this, I, I, if I want to learn about the Bible, I need to go to yeah. Masters College because um, I had been listening to John MacArthur. The, the way I really got into John MacArthur, though, is... Um, to sort of shift focus because I'm almost skipping over like a lot of what happened in my high school years. When, when I was, so, so my, my, my dad was a, a police officer. He was a California highway patrolman. Um, and, um, my, my dad got saved when I was like 15, 16. Um, and it was really amazing to, to see the change. Um, cause we, uh, I had some time to see the change in him. Um, but sadly he was, he was killed as a police officer in the line of duty, um, mm. when, when I was 16. And, um, so that was really hard for my family. It was really hard, you know, with my siblings, I'm the oldest. And so, mm. um, like my youngest sister is like five at the time. So it's, it's, mm. it's really devastating for us. Um, and it was during that time when, you know, I think everybody grieves differently. Um, for me, I really just wanted to be alone, mm. you know, because it was a, law enforcement death and um it was kind of pre a lot of the anti-cop sentiment that's more common nowadays it there there was there was a lot more discussion maybe in the media and um it was it was public and so and the the church was very kind and trying to get around us which 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 i'm very thankful for but um i i felt sort of like smothered by everything i did you know because constantly you're, you're going to events um you're going to state functions there's just a lot going on i just wanted to be alone a lot of the time at that point being alone i actually ended up just going on youtube and um i i had heard of macarthur but i but i i sort of just started like devouring macarthur's backlog on youtube so Mm -hmm. everything that macarthur was was preaching through or teaching through on sundays i was just going through I, i would listen to like three or four a day just going through it in my room by myself mm. and um because that's that's all i had that's 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 what i recognized was that like life is so fragile and yeah. we're in a fallen broken world and death is very very real and very it's it's a very unnatural part of this world but it's yeah. it's so close and easy to to feel it, it, yeah. it's it's always it's always there so you were saved when your dad passed prior you. prior to my my my, oh, my so you're dad, not even saved to be i was saved i was saved you're so, saved yeah by the time that your this, dad that was, this happened yes uh, yeah yeah that that my that my dad was killed um okay. my my sorry i was saying my dad was saved just shortly before um but before he was killed so oh, okay. it was it was maybe like 6 months to a year before he wow. was killed and so you know i was able to see a real change in him i was able to mm. see like my my dad become um a christian father and and really try to change things in the way he and the way he yeah. led as a father i mean so, what a kindness of the lord right because absolutely absolutely again it goes to show yeah. how Salvation does really belong to the Lord because this happens before all of that. Amen. Like what was happened, what was to come in the future, yeah. you know? So, yeah. and yeah. And, and I believe the Lord used, used this all um, to, to his glory. Obviously it's, 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 it's a t- death is always terrible. De- death is never yeah. happy. It's never good um, because we weren't designed to die. God, God designed everything. Yeah. God designed this world to be a living world. Yeah. Um, but how did you see the Lord using that in your life? Because you are saved at this point, yeah. but you're still pretty young. I mean, you're like yeah. what, a teenager. I mean, yeah. So how does the Lord use this? I mean, difficult trial, you know, that's yeah. a huge trial. 
to lose your your dad. So how does he use that for your own sanctification and growth spiritually? Yeah. So I I um, I actually remember that you know I, I I attribute so much of my spiritual growth to the ministry um, over me at at Community Bible Church, um, the, the pastors having sound biblical teaching mm-hmm. uh, week in week out. Um, and, and the discipleship that I received one-on-one as well. So I was, I was constantly being given, uh, books when when I was 12. So when I was saved, my, my discipler who is a dear and zealous Christian, the first thing he did was give me, um, I think it's, it's called biblical doctrine by, um, Mm -hmm. Wayne Grudem. So this is biblical doctrine before MacArthur's biblical doctrine. Maybe it's just called Bible doctrine. It's a smaller version of the systematic theology. Uh, so it's more palatable for a 12 year old, but still it's, it, for for me at the time it was, it was heavy reading. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was I was being given a, a very strong foundation in the faith, and so actually leading up to this, um, I had been given books by someone else in the church, um, by um, and, and uh, an older brother in, in the church, and one of the books that I rifled through it was like a box of just random books um, was was about the will of God. It was about God's sovereignty. Okay. I won't mention the name just because I, I looking back I don't know if it was like a hundred percent like the the best way to to <laughs> describe God's sovereignty. So I don't okay. want to uh, like <laughs> advocate for it. Okay. Recommend it. But uh, read read Biblical Doctrine by MacArthur and then then I'll be happy. So um, <laughs> but but at the time this was really helpful for me and and so okay. it, it was just helping me grasp the fact that God is sovereign over all things. And so it's in God's providence that I, I was studying through that and reading through that and grappling through that, that up until the point that my, my dad died. And so that actually was an amazing foundation. You really, I think, need to have that kind of doctrine before you go through trials. Mm-hmm. I don't know how receptive I would be to that doctrine, which I believe with all my heart, if I was trying to learn it in the midst of, tr- of a trial. I think I think it was it was so foundational for me to understand that ahead of time to to know that that was true and then to see that it was true and and to submit to that yeah. to know that God is good in all things yeah like about the sovereignty of God learning yeah. that He's sovereign even yeah. in a situation like that absolutely yeah, yeah. so that that was uh, that was a huge help and that's also what helped me see like okay I need to learn more I need to. Mm-hmm. All I can do is is trust God and learn more about Him. So that that's I think what led me down. I just want to be by myself. I want to be learning, and I mm-hmm. and so um, that's what really acquainted me with uh, Pastor MacArthur's preaching. Um, so learning learning more theology through that as well, and that's what made me aware of. Um, I, I knew some people who had gone to the Master's College, sort of like um, you know, like I, I knew they went there, but I didn't know much about it. Okay. But I, I was I was getting introduced to it through listening to MacArthur and thinking I want to learn how to read the Bible like MacArthur's okay. teaching the Bible. Okay. So then I w- uh, when did you make your move then to L.A.? And then yeah. did you move here to go specifically to TMU? Yes. Uh, the Master's University? Yes, yes. So I, I, it was 2013 um, that I graduated high school, and so I, I, I went to um, TMU. I, I had never been to the campus before. I didn't know anything about it. And honestly... <laughs> I've been to a few different schools since then, and that's not how you do college. <laughs> you don't you don't just show up the first day of like orientation and, and like not know anything about anything. Never talk to any professors. Wow. The professors are are kind, and they and they want people who are excited about learning. Mm-hmm. And so I think anyone who wants to go study something, it, professors will be happy for the most part to answer your email and talk to you about things. I wish I had just emailed them and asked them things, <laughs> and I think I would have gotten a better introduction yeah. to the school. But I literally just showed up day one with my mom and was like, okay. And then my mom just dropped me off. And then I was there and I was terrified because um, I was a Bible major. I was a Bible exposition, exposition major. 
because I didn't know what the other majors were. I just knew exposition is what preachers do and I want to teach. So um, that's what I signed up for. And day one, I was so terrified because, uh, you know, at like sort of icebreaker things, I bumped into people. And, um, and also I was just kind of realizing like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner. Like, why, why should I be a pastor or a teacher of any sort? Um, you know, as a high school, I'm growing up and I'm trying to grasp with sanctification mm -hmm. um, as, as everyone does. Um, and I thought like, okay, I'm probably not the right person for this, even though I want to. And then I bump into all these pastors, kids and missionary kids, and they know way more about the Bible. And like everything that I thought I knew, I, I was like, oh my goodness, I know nothing. Um, <laughs> and I terrified myself out of being a Bible major. And like, I think that day or the next day I switched out and I was like, you know what? I know a lot of people in law enforcement and I love law enforcement. I'm going to go into law enforcement. I'm going to get the degree that um, I'm comfortable in and that I can do as quick as possible. And so I switched to be a communications major, I think on the first or second day. Like immediately I was like, <laughs> okay, um, I'm oh going to take Bible goodness. classes, but I'm probably not cut out for this. Yeah. God has actually gifted people for this and I'm not one of them. And so I, I switched out immediately. So I, I became a communications major and um, I... I I'm very happy about my time in, in communications. I learned a ton. I learned that I wasn't a good writer. In high school, I was told I was a strong writer, and that was I was good for a 14-year-old. But uh, I went to college, and I found out I was terrible. And that was also a growing experience. Basically, me, my first year of college was just getting destroyed by everything, and, and that was really beneficial. I think humbling Yes, That's yeah. what we call it, right? Humbling is, <laughs> is, the, is the nicer word for what happened. Um, and so this included, uh, you know, at, at TMU, um, I feel like I'm giving an ad for TMU. I'm not, but, uh, but I, 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 it was instrumental in my life. Everything that I've talked about to this point has been instrumental in my life. So yeah. I'm, I'm giving it all equal weight. But um, I took my first Old Testament survey course with um, Professor Todd Bolin. And um, that is where I was blown away because I did not understand how to study the Bible the way that I thought I did. Because mm -hmm. I, I was like, okay, so there's a historical background to things that you have to think about what the author intended when, when you're trying to interpret a text that by itself, like blew my mind. I, I, cause you know, I, I read the Bible as snippets of things, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I, I read the Bible as, Oh, here's a helpful verse or here's something you memorize, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Ephesians two, eight, you memorize that doesn't matter what the context is or, or how that fits into what Paul is doing in, in yeah. that epistle. In, in my mind at the time, I didn't have a framework for that, but, but I'm learning all that in this one class because um, he would give us assignments like you have to write what are the most important points about, about whatever book we're reading. Um, you know, up until that point, the Old Testament for me was cool stories in Genesis, <laughs> cool stories in Samuel and Kings, and encouraging Psalms and Proverbs, you know, or, or like wisdom, right? Um, yes. That's what the Old Testament was for me. And then that was all subservient to my, to my New Testament, which was how you live. That, that's, how, that's how I thought about the Bible. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was I was very quickly taught not to think that way, which which was really helpful. Okay. Um, and so it was there that I fell in love with the Old Testament because I realized I had no idea how to read my Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea how to read it, and I thought I need to know how to read this because I was taught that that's what the church was reading. The the church mm -hmm. didn't have the New Testament. The church had the Old Testament. They had Jesus's life, and they had the apostles' teaching. The apostles wrote down things about Jesus' life. They wrote down things that they learned from Jesus and they wrote down things that they were reading. They were applying things they were reading in the Old Testament. And so that really weighed on me in that first class. And immediately I thought, I need to understand the Old Testament if I want to understand anything about Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so that's what started my love for the Old Testament. And, um, and so as a communications major, you can sort of take 
more electives than most people can. And so I took advantage of that. So any chance I could, I was taking a Bible elective that was Old mm. Testament related. So uh, with Professor Bolin, I also took History of Ancient Israel because I've always loved history, but I thought, okay, this, this is important. I need to know the context of Israel. Um, and I took um, Beginning Biblical Hebrew with Professor Abner Chow, which was also an amazing introduction to, to the Old Testament. So then, then I was starting to learn, because I, I was starting to be convinced that if I want to understand the Old Testament, well, now I need to read in its original languages. Yeah. Um, and so I started with Hebrew and um, fell in love with that. And so I'm getting near the end of my program, and I still have this desire that I want to teach. Uh, even though I'm like, I'm not good, other people should be doing it, and I still have this desire. <laughs> so I'm convincing myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to get a job in law enforcement as early as possible. And then I'm going to retire as early as possible. And that way, finally, finally, as a retired man, I will be able to devote myself I'll, I'll, on my pension. I'll just do ministry then. Then I can teach. And then, <laughs> then you know, like I'll be a side person. Other people yeah. can be, you know, the, the real teachers. And maybe I can lead a Bible study or something. That's what I thought. And talking with Jessica, because we, we were dating at the time. What? Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Jessica was when brought down out of the When did you guys, cloud, when, <laughs> when did you guys meet then? So the, okay. let's not skip that. How do you guys meet? Because, all right, so you're a master at yes. uh, TMU. Are you at TMU as yes. well? Yes. All right, so tell yeah. me the story then. How do you guys meet there? Okay. In short, we, we met like the fourth day of orientation. <laughs> so, like doing things very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it just happened that. I want to affirm that I didn't know that really that there was a reputation that people are going to masters to get married. I didn't know that <laughs> um, at the time. So I just want to make that clear. But I did meet Jessica. The and first I week. knew that. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to go there just for school. I'm not going to be one of those people that gets married. Jessica was all business. Okay. I was. Um, and, and I, and I she was too. She looked all business. <laughs> yeah. Je- Jessica has been all business since she got there and, and up until today. I was all business when I got there, and then three days later I met her, and business flew out the window, and I was I was I was into her and ready to to start life uh, with Jessica. Um, no, so essentially we met each other at an um, orientation. Um, yeah, so during Wow Week, the week of welcome, so they have a lot of orientation events to help you get to know people, mm-hmm. and they're very wise for that because they helped me get to know my wife. Um, but uh, and you were not lost at this point, right? You were not confused or anything at TMU because you said like you were just. Your mom just just drove you. to Oh TMU. yes, yeah. So I didn't know anyone. So yeah, you were, so you I already was, you yes. were like. <laughs> yeah, I was I was in a daze. I was okay, I was very good. uncomfortable. Um, I I consider myself an introvert because I'm I am like actually very uncomfortable going out and like talking to people and, and meeting new people. <laughs> really, um, you don't come off. Like once that. I'm there, I talk a lot. But like but like that that initial barrier of getting out. Oh, like, yeah. like I didn't go to like I think the first night of orientation. Which which okay. to anyone who's doing this at college, just go to everything at first because <laughs> it, it pays off later. So like I didn't meet a lot of people like the first week because I was like too afraid to go to things. But but I went to this thing and it was a big thing. Everyone was going to it. It was it was like a um, Wild West night. Was it was a Wild West night. And so essentially um Everybody was gathered up. There was a dunk tank, and um, everybody was watching. And I, I turned uh, to the person next to me, and I just, I just was like, I'm going to try to talk to people. And uh, the person next to me was Jessica. And we got along immediately as I'm trying to break out of my shell. And we talked for the rest of the night, mostly because I wanted to keep talking to her for the rest of the night <laughs> and because she was just being friendly. What did you think about him, like, talking to you? First reaction I just thought he was a nice guy that's why I kept mm-hmm. talking to him and like it wasn't just us two the whole night like his friends were there my friends kind of came in and out 
Um, and then I was like, yeah, this guy's nice. He's not full of himself. He's not, I don't know. He was just different than the other college. Not that I was there to like look for a relationship, but I think I was at the point where I was excited to move out of the house. Um, mm. And growing up, my parents were very conservative, so they had a lot of rules. <laughs> when to spend time with guys if and then I never did so I thought like this is a Christian school like this is probably a safe place to like have guy friends and only guy friends well not, not, on, not only guy but like only only as friends yeah you mean. only, yeah, only yeah. as yeah. friends she also <laughs> had girlfriends yeah just to be clear yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. how long after that time that first encounter yeah. did you start dating well she kept asking and I said you know, I'm here for school and I want you to just calm it down a little bit and just let me feel, I'm just kidding. No, I was, I was, I was very much, I was like, wait, what? I was very much interested in Jessica from the moment that I started talking to her. Mm. Um, so I, I just kept trying to place myself in places mm. where she was and I talked to her. We had mutual friends, so that, yeah. that helped a lot. Okay. So it yeah, could so be we'd like natural. meet up for dinners and our friends were together and so we just naturally. Yeah, okay. like in the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how long after that then do you guys start dating? I don't know. Still pretty quick. It was probably Seven like months? six months. Sure. Okay. March. I guess, but like we it, met in August and then I think in March. We but like dating. I, but okay. I was like definitely like inviting yeah. her out to things one on one before that. So like, <laughs> it was happening. It, it was it was it was going yeah. yeah. And so then, uh, so you start dating then six mm-hmm. months or seven months later, yeah. and then what about proposing? Oh <laughs> when God. do you propose to her? So. This was a very heavy six months of getting to know each other, okay? I was, I was doing my best. I was, I was finding out everything, and I was letting her know everything about me. And you know what? I was basically ready to marry her immediately after starting dating her. <laughs> I, was, I was locked in, okay? I was, I was convinced. I don't know. I you think had to meet my parents. I had to meet her parents. <laughs> oh, um, how was that? I had to be the first non, non-Slav to enter this, this family unit. Yeah, so, like, it was weird. I mean, that's weird. It's weird for immigrants to... Um, meet with a, a non per, person not of your culture who wants to marry yeah. now into your yeah, family. We were, we just started going to GCC like a couple of years prior to me go to college. Okay. So it was still very new to like be around Americans and to have Americans in our house. Like I just remember even as, um, and like a middle school, I remember the first time we had an American family over, it was just so weird. <laughs> um, so like to have a guy now that is in your daughter's life, who's American um, coming Doesn't from family, speak Russian. yes, coming from family you don't know about because usually, like, you'll know, like, there's this person mm. from this family, or you're actually related to them. That, yeah. That's how yeah. the Slava community is very yeah. tight knit, very that's much my of, big fat Greek wedding sort yeah, of, a lot of culture clash. Like that, yeah, so. really fun. So, okay. I remember I was asking my mom, Can I go on this trip with my friends up north? And he was one of the guys in that uh, trip, but it was girls and guys. Um, and I remember telling Alex, like, go meet my mom at church. And <laughs> she was not having it. I remember him coming up to her, introducing himself. And then she just kind of looks at him and then just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the start. In hindsight, I think I would have had the same reaction. Because, yeah. like, I, I imagine now having a daughter and, like, man, I can't. I, can't, I don't know how they, how they love me now. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so that, that was fun. Um, but yeah. we, yeah, so we, I don't know. Um, so how long after then? So, yeah, so after dating, how long we after? We got married. Um, I proposed, yeah, go ahead. Okay, we got married <laughs> spring break of our third year. So we finished college in three years. I was only at master's for a year and a half. I transferred okay. out to another school. We were 
engaged uh, like in July and then the next the following year March we got married okay. so we got married spring break he finished his school I finished my schooling and yeah so we're officially dating 2014 and then like I uh, proposed like in the end of the summer of 2015 and then we get married yeah. in a spring 2016. of 2016. Okay, so you guys have been married for like, 7 years now. 7 years now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. And your your family lo- loves him now, right? Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> More than seven they love years. Her. I'm, I'm now. I've now taken her spot. Okay. They, they, oh, okay. That's good. I'm just kidding. But well, no, if your they, parents listen to this, <laughs> come from. Them. Well, they know yeah, I love right. them too, so it's, it's okay. Yeah. No. It was once we got married and they really got to know him. They loved. It was, him. Yeah. Really no, I adore their parents, and and um, it's it's really nice that we get to see them every every Sunday. So um, yeah, it's it's great because you're all go to Grace Community Church yeah. now. So for after TMU, did you go to TMS as well? Yes. After. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. So yeah. I. So I. Um, I was. I was telling Jessica because we. You know, we were planning on getting married. Um, obviously, before a proposal, we talked about getting married, and so um, I was telling her my thoughts. I was like, okay, my my. And I was telling her dad and as my well. Dad, yeah. Telling her dad, like, my plan is I'm going to um, apply to the CHP Academy as soon as I uh, can, which I think is like I think it's up to a year, maybe or six months before you turn 21, because you need to be 21. I was like, I'm going to apply right away. And the academy, they pay, they, they pay you a salary. So, like, I'll be making some money. So um, I'll do that, and then I'll, I'll have a full job after, after the academy. And then, yeah. boom, like, I'll have a career. So this is the plan. Um, and uh, I was telling her that as well. And so everybody was sort of on board, um, sort of. Um, and, uh, and then I'm, I'm telling her, like, you know, like, this is what I want to do. I want to do ministry at the, at, the, at the end of this. Like, I want to retire and then do ministry. But as we talk about it more and more, and um, as as I see more preachers at chapel, uh, I remember Alistair Begg as well was um, super influential on me. Your your dad actually, uh, for my birthday one time, gave me like just a, a flash drive full of Alistair Begg sermons, and I like fell in love with Alistair Begg. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I read his like uh, pastor uh, pastor book on being a pastor. I just realized like you know I I still really have a heart for teaching the Bible. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to be a pastor, really. I don't know what it means to be a Bible teacher or, or even a professor, um, but I, I still really want to do that. And I think, Jessica, you actually helped, helped like, walk me through that. Like, I don't think that I told myself, like, right. so that's what yeah. I'm going to do. I think you helped Because I remember my dad was, like, content with our plan. He was like, all right, someone's going to take care of my daughter financially, you know, mentally, physically. Um, he was happy with his CHP route. My mom, on the other hand, was not. She was like, I don't want my son allowed to be a cop. Very Aww. dangerous. Yeah. So she was actually praying that he would not be a cop. And yeah. uh, she's like, I would rather him be anything else. And I remember, I don't know why that influenced me. And I guess I was telling, I was like, well, why don't, like, how, why would you wait that long to do what you love now? Yeah. yeah and I think from there. It, and, and, and also somebody. realizing, like, I don't have the guarantee that I'm ever going to retire. So, like, right. that's, yeah. I, I think that's also what we talked about. Like, how do I know that I'm going, like, my, my dad died as a cop. Like, how do I yeah. know that I'm going to live 30 years and then get yeah. to do ministry? And how am I going to feel if, if the whole time I thought I'm going to do ministry, but I put it off until the end? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that all, that convinced me. I was, mm-hmm. I was convicted after praying and long time discussion. So you came into the view how? I forgot. Did it just come up? I don't know. So again, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to pick a college. I didn't know how to go to a college. I didn't know how to pick a seminary. I didn't know what to do. I just was like, to me, natural. Like it was like, I know MacArthur. I'm going to the master's university. I know uh, the master's university. I'm going to the master's seminary. And so that's what I did. I just, I just applied to master's. I didn't apply anywhere else. I was like, I'm going to the master's seminary. That's where I want to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then uh, uh, what year did you apply to go to? To go to TMS? Uh, 2016. And so I started in the fall of 2016. Okay. And then you graduated when? 
um, 2019-ish, yeah. the so fall, fall of 2019. Okay. So 2019, you graduate from the master's seminary. Yes. Yeah. And then after that, is that when you guys go to Israel? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so why do you guys, when do you guys leave to Israel and why do you decide to go to Israel? Great. TMS was amazing. Um, I, so, you know, going, going from Pharisee to go to TMS, um, I, I, you know, I kept a lot of the same sins that were still in my, in my heart from being, being a little Pharisee. Part of that was being just very, very rough, being, being a very hard Christian. And so like, you know, I told you, like, I wanted to evangelize people. And like, I remember one time in high school and I feel so ashamed of this and I, and I'm so sorry for this, but, um, I, I told a girl, um, cause she's like, Oh, I was, I was trying to evangelize to her in class, um, during like a discussion period. And, and uh, and she was like, Oh, I'm a Christian. And I said, Oh, but you're not like, I like, I just, I just thought like, you're not just straight up. And like, I don't remember wow. if that was like a valid criticism to make, but either way, I just would never do that nowadays. Just straight up tell someone <laughs> yeah. you're not a Christian, like whether I think so or not. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, you'd be much more loving and gentle and, and, um, you know, when someone is a Christian, you, you do have. Uh, the ability to treat them like a Christian, but mm-hmm. but if you don't think someone's a Christian, you you should actually be even more gentle and, and kind. Yeah. I learned that at seminary. I learned that from like um, Pastor Austin Duncan. I, I learned that from like his pastoral ministry classes, um, or from the example of being in like discipleship lab. Um, so that was huge. The other thing that was huge was um, you know I was fueling my love for the Old Testament. So I I took um, Hebrew exegesis with um, Professor Jozhakevich. And um, he studied in Israel at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got his PhD at Harvard. And so I, I knew that he knows how to go to school. I don't know how to go to school. I just show <laughs> up places and hope that they let me in. So um, I wasted a ton of his time um, be, uh, by trying to have lunch with him and asking him all kinds of dumb questions that probably like didn't profit anyone. But, uh, but he kept giving me advice about like, you know, I, I want to study. And so, um, and so he was giving me advice on, on how to study, how to, um, look for a program. And so I told him like, I specifically want to do old Testament. And he said, so if you want to do old Testament, what, like, if you really want to learn Hebrew, you need to learn modern Hebrew. Modern Hebrew is very, very close to, to biblical Hebrew. And so the, the best way to do that, because you can learn that in the United States, but, yeah. um, you know, if you want to be a teacher of this sort of thing, cause it, cause that now I'm starting to think like, I want to study this so much that I want to become a specialist in it. I, I want to be able to teach other people how to do this, but, you know, by yeah. seeing professor Boland's example, by seeing professor Chow's example, I want to be able to do that for other people too, to show them how to read their Bibles. Professor Joe Shagevich told told me you you have to go to Israel if you want to learn how to teach people Hebrew. Basically, I was convinced uh, immediately, almost. But uh, but at the same time, I was like, that's never going to happen though, because that, that's kind of crazy. Like, I'm married, and that that doesn't make sense. Um, so I told her about it, but like, I think it was kind of like that's that's a dream. Like yeah. financially, and just having to the whole having to move things and figure out how to sell things and store things, like. Not that we had a lot, but it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. 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 I mean, your whole life changes. I mean, it's, you're moving yourself and your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of had to like, it was, it was a nice two years, but it was kind of like a pause. Like we have to pause a lot of things in our lives in order to do this. Yeah. So I didn't have a job while I was in Israel. So like that, that's, that's like, yeah, we all, yeah, both of us didn't going in. So we're like, all right, this is going to be just full trust in God. Yeah. It was a huge investment, but yeah. You know, on on the front side of things, it feels like a huge gamble because um, I'm doing this so that I can get a ton of language skills um, and so that I can go to a secular school so that I can 
sort of get my foot in the door to apply to another secular school because I, I knew that I wanted to get a lot of good like um, language training and, and do a PhD that would allow me to, to, to stretch my, my language skills because I wanted mm-hmm. to teach them. Yeah. So what that means is I'm, apply- I'm going to the school in Israel and I'm, I'm not working. I'm devoting myself 100% to school. And, and I got scholarships so I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like scholarships that would also pay for our living expenses, not just for school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. but I'm, I'm doing that because I, I'm hoping that a school will let me in at the end of this, you know, for a PhD. Because yeah. that was for a master's degree. Yeah. Um, so at the time, it felt like it <laughs> very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by God's grace, it paid off. But like, man, I... Up until I found out that I could go to any school afterwards, mm-hmm. I was very afraid because I was like, okay, we're almost done with Israel, yeah. um, and we, we don't know where we're going to live after this. We don't have an apartment or a house that we could just slip back into, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so wait, let me go back again. So when yes. do you guys move? So when do you both move to okay. Israel? Yeah, we just year? skipped over Israel completely. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we moved in 2020. 20, 20, yeah, 2020, August. Yeah. Wow, we, so this we, is during we left COVID. The yes. year of the bat, yes, as, wow. as they call it. All right. I don't, I don't know if anyone calls it. I don't know. So you move in 2020, and then how long are you guys staying there? So we stayed there for two years, and it was actually crazy because it was during 2020, all the lockdowns were happening. Yes. And during that time, we were at home. I lost my job. So Jessica tra- trains people in Pilates. So yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, gyms, yeah. So because of COVID, down. then everything closed, Shut and down, then you don't right. have your job yes, and all that. And yeah, at the time we were like, oh, do we, can we even get in the country if everything's shut down? So we're waiting for months and months. We're starting to like pack things just in case. We bought our tickets just in case. And five days before we were supposed to fly out, we got an email from the school saying, here are special visa permits, not actual visas, but permits to enter the country. And once you enter the country, you have to apply for a visa. So we're like, all right, I guess we're going. So like the last five days, we were just trying to pack things away, sell things, give things away. And we got on the plane and yeah, we were there and we stayed at an air or actually we quarantined for two weeks in a hotel. Oh, that's yeah. That was fun. Once again, my, my fear of reaching out to people and getting to know new people killed us because if we had just reached out to the church, if I had done that, they would have been so kind to us. They would have brought us food or something. But like, I was like, I don't know these people. I don't want to ask for anything. And I didn't. And that was foolish. Yeah. It was hard to like, just get food, groceries. And, um, but third day, I think when we land third or second day, we started our Hebrew Ulfan class, our intensive modern Hebrew learning class. So we had things to keep us busy, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and then two weeks after that, we moved into an Airbnb, um, like downtown Jerusalem. And then I mean, one month, one, a month and a half a month and after a half. we were able to finally move into our dorms. But up until then, we didn't know where we would live because yeah. wow. the school was not helpful and like where yeah. you can live. They didn't know things would be opened. Everything was just kind of in the air. Yeah. Okay. So we moved into our dorms um, and things were still shut down. Things were shut down completely um, until I think the end of March and April. Okay. Things finally started to open up. The church started to open up. Yeah. We, we, um, we moved to Israel and then the first year... <laughs> Of, of moving to Israel for school, yeah. I didn't go to an in-person class until like March of the next year yeah. because it was all on Zoom because everything yeah. was locked down. Right. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So you crazy. were studying from home, although you were... I, yeah, in our little apartment in, 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 in Jerusalem. In the, yeah. So people that are like a few miles away. Yeah. It was okay. pretty weird. So, and at this point, I remember seeing things of... And the news of what was happening. Was it a war, civil war? Or what was yeah, happening? Yeah, I think Jessica started a war or something <laughs> while we were there. 
<laughs> not Jessica. <laughs> but I was, I was, uh, I remember you posting on your story, and it was like close by by your guy, guys, right at one point. Yes, I think that was that March, that first year we were there. Yeah, it was the first year we were there. It was like a 14 day. I guess you would call it a war, right? Or we call it a conflict. To conflict. be very, very all right. Generic. So there was a conflict <laughs> where people yeah. was were like bombarding, bombing, yes. each, bombing yeah. each other. Yeah. So before that, previously they would have Israel has continuous like um, drills, like alarm siren drills, because things are always happening in Israel. So um, they were their siren siren would go off every once in a while just to like test to make sure it's working. So when that siren went off, when that war actually started, I didn't think of anything, or I think we were both together. Um, we were just like, yeah. all right, it's another like false alarm or another drill, and but it kept going. And then we we're like, all right, let's go into our bunker because we have two bedrooms, and our second bedroom was an actual bunker, and that's how all the apartments in our dorm were. So we just went in there, and I remember just hearing like the rocket being intercepted. Thank goodness. Um, and we just kind of stayed in there for a few minutes and it was okay, but it was just very unexpected because it's very rare for rockets to actually come towards Jerusalem. They don't mm-hmm. want to usually hit shoot. Al-Aqsa. You, yes. don't want, you don't want to hit the mosque. So, so like, it's not really, a it was just surprising. Like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And I think that kind of started like the whole 14 day. Yeah. It was much worse in Tel Aviv and uh, Ashdod or Ashkelon, right? Yeah. Yeah, where they yeah, were if just you're having next to thousands. Gaza, it's, it's worse. In Jerusalem, yeah. it's, it's generally okay. safer yeah. for like rocket attacks. Yeah, the worst, it was just like, because we lived in East Jerusalem and it was half Jewish, half Palestinian Arab, our neighborhood. Um, so it was interesting because a lot of the shops you would go to, like the markets, the stores, a lot of the times it would be both Palestinians and Jewish people working together. Wow. Um, so I just remember like during that week or those couple weeks, you can feel the tension in the air, but people were generally still like just going about their business. Yeah. I didn't see any fights break out. Obviously we didn't live in the old city, which was very different there. Um, yeah. We just kind of stayed away. But I remember even us going to Bible study that week. I think it was that week, that Thursday, people were very surprised that we went because we were just going through that whole chaotic area where there was a ton of writing yeah, bombing with the mocktail. Yeah. Or the cocktail, yeah. yeah. So. so the 14 days, uh, were you guys not allowed to go outside or was that a kind uh, of... You know, classes were put on Zoom, but like everyone was used to that because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so we didn't, we didn't, not, not the entire time though. It was sort of like maybe around that time when the rocket came over and then like yeah. the next day you're basically going back to class yeah, because... it's normal life. For, if they shut know. down during something like that, then they'll never get anything done. So they, they kind of have a policy of keeping normal life going. Right. Okay. I had a friend who went to the beach during this time because he was like, the beach is empty. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go yeah, to the beach. Yeah. So. Oh, I would have been scared. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of I mean, trust the in the Iron Dome. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we actually, that Sunday, we, or Saturday, when we went to church because we did church on Saturday in Israel. Yeah. Um, we saw, like, we had, like, I think a, their church picnic. It was, like, their 30th anniversary of the church. And we had... Wow. Our church was on the top story of this fifth uh, story building. It was on the top story. So we had, like, a nice patio deck. And I remember sitting out there and we... Someone mentioned, like, oh, you can see the rockets being inter- intercepted. You look and up. Yeah. all these um, days, we're like, yep, that's normal. And we're just yeah. like, okay. You could just see off in the distance yeah. towards the west. You just see little puffs of white yeah. smoke. Like, wow. And that's how you could tell the rockets were being destroyed. What would you say was the hardest part of living there in Israel or the most challenging? I think just getting used to their way of life. They live very simply, but a little bit complicated. Like, um, they're very okay with living a, like a simplistic life. Like basically in their home, they're very, 
okay and content with small homes and just very happy minimal things, yeah. but dealing with the government was just overly complicated. Trying to shop was very complicated. Just little things became just... Language and culture was, yeah. was a lot of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, so. we're, we're American, we, and we're from California, so like right. this is the land of suburbs, so like we're very used to big everything. <laughs> yeah. and like, Easy to find places. We have Google devices. Maps. Yeah. yeah. Like, obviously they have Google Maps too, but you don't find things as easily. You just yeah. kind of have to walk around and search for things. So yeah. that was interesting of its own. You got to really experience living there. There was, a, we have a ton of stories of just doing life because it was yeah. just so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How did you see God's providence during that time? When we, so I uh, mentioned before we came there, we both didn't have a job. Well, I was teaching actually a couple clients online because most of my clients kind of went back to in, in-person studios at the time because things were slowly opening up, at least in Santa Cruz for like Pilates. So I was still teaching a couple clients online for Pilates, but it was still not enough to even yeah. get groceries because things in Israel are much more expensive, um, like double, triple the price than here. So when we came there, we're like, we're, we didn't expect this. Like we, we searched online, like, you know, typical price, but it was just so much more expect, expensive than we expected. And then after taking both of our Hebrew classes, they were both, we both had to pay for them. Um, we were like, okay, we need to, I need to find a job. So I just started to do random jobs online, little jobs here and there. And I remember the next, next year in March on our anniversary, we were actually, we spent like three days in Tel Aviv, like in small Airbnb. And I remember us like sitting down and we were looking at our bank account and we were like, how are we going to survive in like the <laughs> next two months? And I just remember like, God's going to provide. Like I just, I remember like, this might seem impossible right now. Like we don't have any leads on jobs. We're in a foreign country where you can't get work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Israel has very strict rules and work visas. You can't get a work visa. We asked multiple times before even entering Israel. They said, you're going to have to find work remotely outside of Israel. So we knew that I, going in. I think I also didn't know whether I'd gotten to any PhD programs yet either. So like, right. Cause I, that, you said that it was, was in March, uh, March, but the first year. Oh, the fr- oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Well, then for sure I didn't know what was going to happen yes, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were like, all right, we're here. We have yeah. no plan. We have, we're almost running out of cash. And I remember like, I think a month or two after my uncle, who owns his own business here in California, he messaged me and said, hey, do you want to work for me? I have this year-long project that I need done starting like in a month and we need to get it finished by next year, July, which we were supposed to move back to the U.S. in July. And I was like, Yes amazing. So it was a very heavy project, um, lots of hours worked. So it basically helped push us through, through the end. And I literally finished that project, I think three days before we actually flew out. So it was like just perfect timing. Um, obviously our parents helped out a little bit, but we just didn't want to rely on and burden our parents more than necessary. So Mm -hmm. we really just wanted to trust God and be like, if he's going to provide a way, he will, he will do it in his own timing. So that was really sweet to see, and that, I think that was our first time experiencing something so, um, what's the word, Unner- not unnerving, but like something just we, you can't control, like we just had no control over. Yeah, because um, you can't um, work on a student visa in yeah. Israel, like, uh, like there, yeah. there's absolutely either. no jobs for me or for her. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think in the U.S., um, you, can work you usually hours. can at least do 20 yeah. hours. Yeah. It's different per country, but Israel, not at all. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was literally like, well, unless we find something online, we can't, either, neither of us can do anything. Right. And he was just trying to fully commit himself, take as many classes as he can, because that was 
allowed in the program. You just pay like a set price. You pay a right? set tuition, and then you can take as many courses as yeah. you can handle. And so right. I was taking like nine courses a semester to try to like yeah. make myself look good to a PhD program. Right, right. Wow. So I was like, well, you focus on that, and then I'll do my own thing. So yeah, the Lord really provided, and that was really sweet to see. And I remember like when we were in seminary, we were like, you know, okay financially, we were here working together, he was working part-time, I was working part-time, and I just remember hearing other people's stories of how God provided for them, and I was just like, wow, that's amazing, mm -hmm. and then just to see, like, now that we live through that, and we know yeah. how that feels, so, yeah, 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 yeah. you're, you're living it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, still, so, yeah, yeah, now that you, you guys came back last year to, yeah. right, yep. uh, to LA, so now you're working at where? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just got confused because you no, teach uh, Hebrew, yeah. but you're just doing that through the Grace Equip, right? I'm that we just have. as confused as you are. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm no, just, no, no, no. No, it's fine. No, but you're, yeah. that's something separately, though. Like, yeah, you're so teaching I'm, I'm Hebrew. I'm teaching, yeah, at, uh, for Grace Equip at the church. Um, yeah, that's That's right. once a week. Um, so teaching Hebrew because I, I went out to learn Hebrew, so now I can, now I can teach Hebrew. Yeah. Um, and so that's for church members, and it's, it's really fun. It's really, it's really fun to be able to do that for people at the lay level, not at, like the seminary level. But seminary level is also fun. Um, so I'm, I'm also teaching uh, biblical Aramaic for the seminary this, this semester. That's just because okay. Professor Jojakevich, again, um, is giving me a very kind opportunity. He, he's taking a sabbatical, so he needed someone to cover for him. So yeah. um, that's, that's good. And then um, other than that, for this year, um, so I'm doing my PhD at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And um, for UCLA's bi Hebrew Bible PhD program, you can, um, your first year, you get paid a stipend just to study because they want you to get adjusted to yeah. the program. And then starting your second year, you start doing teaching assistantships. And during the summers, you have more teaching opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'll, so this fall, I'll start getting paid. Actually, this summer, I'll, I'll start doing some teaching, some light teaching for the school. And that'll be. For UCLA? Yeah. And that'll oh, be okay. like my, right. that'll be how I'm making income. Okay, perfect. Um, and then you both will. We get to start with you guys in Foundation Bible Study. Yes. So we're our home, our, our home, <laughs> our home, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and I got to meet you guys before you guys left to right. yeah. um, mm -hmm. to Israel through Foundation. That's how I first met you guys. I remember. Nice. And then we are also part of Sojourners. For, mm -hmm. I've, I've mentioned yeah. this groups like all the time. Like you they come to. up and on the podcast Sojourners yeah. Fellowship Group and then Foundation Bible Study, which is. Uh, a great blessing uh, just getting to serve there but I think we can move on to my signature questions now <laughs> I think Andrea's ready for food now <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah so it's a long story so yes. um, before we were talking about how many books we have here and all that so one of my questions is like do you have any favorite books or any books that have been helpful to you both let's start with you yeah Christian books or yeah Okay. Um, yeah. I like to give resources to people yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. What I'm reading now, it's been really helpful. I think I started this in Israel. Um, it's actually Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there's some things that we disagree with him on, but it was just super helpful for me to go through um, different theologies that I knew like a little bit about, but he really dives deep without having to overburden your mind. He really writes mm -hmm. simply, easy for anyone to understand. So I enjoyed it, even though it's a super long, thick book. Um, that's really been helpful for me to like think through hard doctrines. Mm -hmm. um, like we've talked about several on our own, and we just like kind of keep going back and forth. And there's obviously, obviously doctrines in the Bible that we'll never fully understand, like mm -hmm. God's providence and 
Um, and his chapter on God's providence is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, so Super. it's, yeah, yeah, it's really I would helpful. recommend it. Um, it just really helps you dive in and think about what God's providence means. And then his um, chapter on the creation is really, really good. Um, some parts we disagree on, but um, what else? The Holy Spirit, the Trinity in general, that was something that I, you know, kind of understood on the surface level, but really digging in deep to make sure I'm not believing heresy or, you know, saying the wrong thing. Yeah. I think that was really helpful. Um, and then the second book that really impacted me was um, called Gentle and Lowly by Ortlund. I forgot his first name, but yeah, Ortlund. Um, I loved it as a whole to really just show the heart of Christ and that we can just rest in him. There was little, some things I was not sure about or disagreed on, but the whole picture of how you can come to him if you're weary and mm -hmm. tired and you can rest in his grace and his hope. So that was really sweet to me, um, especially in Israel. And we went through a lot of different trials. Um, yeah, it was just really good. Yeah. So. Um, I, don't, I don't want to plug anything too academic, um, but I, one of my favorite books is uh, Abner Chow's uh, The Hermeneutics of the Biblical Writers. I'm, I, I'm sorry to keep plugging Abner Chow and all the people that are in Sojourners, but it's... It, it, <laughs> I it's, love it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's it's maybe not the easiest read because it is gonna it is gonna argue with uh, different views of interpretation, but um, like as I mentioned, like what really got me into studying the Old Testament and, and really wanting to study my Bible like over again fresh was um, seeing how important it is to understand how the authors were writing, mm -hmm. and um, that's what Professor Chow really argues for in 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 his book is to, to we need to read the Bible the same way the biblical writers did and the way they read the bibles was to look at intention and mm -hmm. to build on that and to reflect on um, ideas that earlier writers wrote um so that that for me is like one of one of my favorite books little, little by little when, when i have the time i've been trying to go back through books that maybe i've heard about um and everybody talks about but i've never actually bothered to like sit down and read um and uh so that that includes like uh, sort of like, I, I never really read R.C. Sproul, but I started reading some things from R.C. Sproul, and I was like, oh my goodness, why didn't I read R.C. Sproul earlier? Um, but uh, one book that I really enjoyed going back through, and, and by the way, I, I'm a... I'm a firm advocate for audiobooks. I think that it's super helpful, especially if you're commuting. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I listened through uh, Pastor MacArthur's The Gospel According to, uh, to, to Jesus, Jesus, and that was super helpful. Just to, to, to go back, and, and, and honestly, um, like... I feel like MacArthur doesn't talk that way a ton, but this was like a really like well-researched book. Like I, I think MacArthur's often like trying to make things super simple for us, um, which is super helpful. But like that book, I was like, I was like, man, there's like pages of footnotes. Like he's he's being so careful to make sure that it's clear, um, mm -hmm. and and he's de defending defending uh, his view against against everybody else very carefully um, about how we need to understand salvation. We need mm -hmm. to understand salvation that it, it really is something where we are submitting to Christ and. Um, so I, it's always important to, to re-understand. It's been, it's been what I've been trying to understand since I was first saved. So, um, I, ha I have to plug that book. Oh, and another book that I forgot to mention that I'm almost done reading, but it's been really helpful is called, uh, Things of Earth by Joe Rigney. I think I'm pronouncing it. Things of Earth? Things of Earth. Okay. Yes. Um, really good, just topics that you might've not thought about. Um, he kind of gets it at a different angle. Um, just basically us it talks about us enjoying the world without feeling bad for enjoying creation enjoying a burrito enjoying tacos just little things that like you don't think to thank god for these things 
Um, he brings up a lot of good points that I think are just so helpful, especially if you come from like a legalistic background, mm -hmm. uh, which I sort of came a little bit from that. Um, it's just, yeah, Christianity okay. should be freeing and not like a struggle and mm -hmm. all these rules. And yeah, so I recommend well, in, th in talking about things, how to enjoy things and things like that. So what are three things that bring you joy? Let's start with you. And then we'll go to Alex. Hmm, three things that bring Just me three. joy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a Pilates snob, but I do enjoy Pilates, but also just working out in general. I'm very thankful that God created bodies for us to move and use for his glory and just to be good stewards of. Um, along with that, just eating good food. Um, doesn't always necessarily have to be healthy, but just good food. There's so much delicious flavors out there, especially living in L.A. Yeah. We didn't realize that. We're so thankful that we're back in L.A. because we just don't realize <laughs> how much variety we have here compared to, like, not yeah. even just, like, the rest of the world, but the rest of the states in yeah. the U.S. Um, so super thankful for that. And then the last thing that brings me joy, I don't know, would probably be my family. I think being away from them for two years completely, not seeing them, I don't know, it's just different when you're with them in person and you realize how much of a blessing it can be to be close to family, not just for, you know, hanging out or having dinners with them, but just to have that encouragement one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Jessica's my best friend, so absolutely Jessica um, <laughs> is, is who brings me the most joy in life. And then um, I love reading books. I love, I love any book I can get my hand on, I like reading history. I like reading biography. Autobiographies is so fun. Um, I also secretly like fantasy and sci-fi as well. I love that. Especially when it... Uh, I don't want to dive too deep into this. But man, sci-fi is, is great because it, it, it often just deals with the human condition um, or, or a philosophical topic and then puts it in some world that's interesting. Um, and so like, I, I read a book uh, or a trilogy called the Lycanius Trilogy. And the entire series is about this figure who, um, I don't want to give anything away, but basically the, it, it's, a, it's a struggle with a, a, a deity who is in control of everything. And so how can I act in a world where God is in control? What does that even mean for me to be an agent in this world? Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it was a really good, it, it was written by a Presbyterian. I, I found out afterwards. <laughs> and I, It's very clear. I think, That's why it's that through, good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the deity in, in the book is called El, and El is okay. the Hebrew word for God. So, like, okay. it, it made sense. But yeah. um, he was clearly trying to, you know, kind of Narnia-ish, kind of trying to deal with the, with the issue of, like, how do we, how do we live in a, in a world mm -hmm. where God is sovereign? And, and I mean, mm -hmm. I've talked so much about God's sovereignty, but it's, it's so important, um, and it's so practical. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I love reading all kinds of things. Um, third thing, I really like board games. Um, just to, to be simple, I really like to play games with people. So Do you have a favorite one, um, board game? I mean, I, I, I really enjoy Ticket to Ride because I just like... I, Ticket I, we, to Ride? Ticket to Ride. Yeah, we have Ticket to Ride Europe and it's like you, you string across um, your train routes and so it, it mixes both capitalism with traveling. You have to show me um, this yeah, game yeah. afterwards because we do have like right behind oh, yeah? where you're sitting, there are okay. like a bunch of games that we have there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, okay. that's a recommendation. Okay, yeah. I got to see what it looks like. It's right now I can't even think of it. I never heard of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll show it to you. So, uh, you know, obviously when we come to this podcast, we're always sharing testimonies that always point to one person and that is Jesus Christ himself. Right. So mm -hmm. Alex, my last, my last question is for you. Why do we need Jesus Christ? Why do we need Jesus Christ? 
Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the man who is both God and man who we have needed since the beginning because ever since Adam sinned, humanity, the planet, everything in it has been destroyed. It's been broken. And that's why we have death. That's why we're dealing with sin issues in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so up until this point, the Old Testament has always been showing us that God has had a plan to bring us back into a situation where we can dwell with God once again. Mm -hmm. And as we saw throughout the Old Testament, man could never fulfill what God called us to do. Mm -hmm. And Man could never, even when God's anointed one was in charge of Israel, even when David was in charge of Israel, David still sinned with Bathsheba. David still was not the perfect king that we need. And, and he couldn't be the priest that we needed either. And so Jesus is the one who God sent, who, who, is, who is the very son of God, but who also took on the flesh of a man and took on human nature. And then as a descendant of David could live the life that David was always supposed to have, that Adam was always supposed to have, have lived and he could be our ruler so that one day he can actually come back, take over the world and, and set things right for, uh, for humanity, for God's glory. So Jesus is the one who died on behalf of our sins and only through Jesus' death and resurrection, only through faith in who Jesus is and what he's done, can we ever have a union with him? We can ever be with him. And through that union, being in Christ, we now get the, the benefits of the Holy Spirit. We now get the blessings of salvation. And, mm -hmm. and then we can have hope in the future that we will be with Christ when he takes over the world and, and really subdues it to what God's plan was the entire time. Amen. Thank you so much for putting it. In such a clear and great way. Thank you for asking. I yeah. love to talk about it. That's my, that's my fourth <laughs> I joy. love, it's yeah, he gets fired this. up. There, there have been some uh, points in here, some parts in the testament. Yeah. <laughs> there is yeah. this interview that I've seen you're like fired up about it, which I love. It's great. But thank you so much, guys, for being here. Thank you for, again, for taking the time to share your testimony and just giving, giving us also a little bit more into your own lives. And especially for me, it's been really sweet to get to know you yeah. better now. Like even though we go to the same church, right? Like we don't get yeah. this opportunity very often yeah. that there were so many things that I didn't know about you both. So this is, this has been so great. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. So again, uh, friends, thank you so, so much for joining us. It, it is always a joy to be here with you guys. And before we leave, Alex, will you please close us in prayer? I'd be happy to. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being so kind to us, Lord. Um, as we think through all the things that you've done in our lives, Lord, we are amazed that we can see your kindness in all things, in tragedy and in good times. We know that you are in control and we are thankful that you are the one who's in control, that it's not us, Lord, that you are perfect, that you are the one by, by whom all morality is measured. I pray that you would help us to continue in Christ, to try to live more like you, to, to be holy for you are holy. Help us, Lord, to love you more, to love one another, and um, ultimately to do all things to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.